I think it's still a um, long way to go for someone is, is coming out. I think it's just a typical male environment that is just too hard. Olympic Channel Podcast. That was footballer Neela Fisher. I'm Ed Knowles, and this is the official Olympic Channel Podcast. Each week we find the best Olympians and we ask them to go in deep about the biggest Olympic talking points. Why are there no openly gay male footballers in the world's top leagues? Statistically, you would think there would be one. Justin Fashionu came out in 1990, but his life ended in tragedy when he committed suicide. Since then, we've had Robbie Rogers of LA Galaxy, who did come out when he was playing, and also German midfielder Thomas Hitzelsberger, who made his announcement after retiring from the game. But to think that the sport is not completely open would be plain wrong. Nila Fischer is an Olympic silver medalist for Sweden. She identifies as a lesbian, I wondered what could be learned from the female side of the game to help inclusivity in the male. So I started off by asking her if she'd always felt comfortable speaking openly about her sexuality. Olympic Channel Podcast. My wife is my, my, my first uh, woman. And um, so actually I never... Um, it was not that I was hiding... My, my sexuality for, for, for the rest of the world, but um, it was not also, uh, it was not that I met her and then just, hey, I met a woman, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it took, it took a while. <laughs> not leaving myself out there, but kind of in that direction. Also, good and bad uh, reactions definitely, definitely make me more self-confidence. And also, I think now I can feel like being outspoken and has also be has also made me a better person and player. Like I feel more safe in myself and also on the pitch. I think the Swedish team, the Swedish Rio team, was where I first read, and it was ages ago. And I was trying to track down the article, and I actually found it. it said, "Meet the 14 openly gay or bisexual soccer stars yeah, yeah. of the Women's World Cup 2015." Four of those people out of those 14 were uh, from the Sweden squad. And that got me thinking, basically, I was like, why is it that women's football in particular is a sport that has this really inclusive atmosphere, whether if you're gay or straight, it doesn't really matter. You know, obviously everyone has their individual story, but was was there something in particular about that squad, that Olympic squad that you think we can, we as kind of the Olympic, all the people thinking Olympic um, can learn from? Well, that's hard. Uh, I mean, definitely, I think. Uh, I think it was, uh, everyone had their place. Like, everyone had their place that they wanted to have. They, they uh, I think that's always something we, we try to achieve. Like, you can, you can, you can be, because some people say, yeah, but you have to, to um, be, be loud on the field, or you have to do this, you have to, uh, socialize with your teammates like on this level or that and I think that we try to um, or not think we try to find like if you're not that kind of person who screams on the pitch or contribute with that kind of energy you do it your own way maybe you sit like one-on-one -on -one and talk uh, yeah in this situation we could do this better or whatever and it's also in the more private 
private times when we just hang out as as normal people. It's also like you can, if you want to uh, just go by yourself in the city, that's that's fine. If you want to hang out with ten other girls, do that. It's it's your own choice, and uh, no one will will judge you for that. And I think we just find a founder um, uh, in Rio just. Um, of course, a very good performance on the field, but otherwise also just simply a, an amazing energy uh, with the team that we just totally accepted whoever wanted to do whatever and um, just went with the, with the flow. But you really need to find, I mean, it's just so much about momentum. If you can find that just for yeah, three weeks, two weeks, Regarding the, the other thing you said, I think it's also in women's soccer. I think it's also because you don't have, that's the thing, if I will, I will try to explain this in, in English. I know the Swedish word, but <laughs> like if you have the, the norm for how society is, like with male and female, I think also in women's soccer, you don't have that typical social there's a, there's like a societal norm or like what what society deems to be normal. Yeah, like, exactly. And, like this is typical uh, female, this is typical male. You don't have that. You have kind of like a, in my opinion, like a free zone. And then you also don't have the typical behavior, manly or womanly. Womanly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're just free to to make your own choice, and that could be male or female or anything in between. Going into France uh, next year, 2019, for the World Cup, and thinking about that article that we had in 2015, do you think we're in a better or a worse state for, for a woman to come out? I would love to say better, but um, I think it's so much also because with every year social media grows or uh, getting better, bigger and... Uh, that's also the the big platform for for uh, people to just write really hateful uh, stuff. I think it's pretty much the same. I think it's more accept, accepted. Um, people you see see every day um, uh, on the streets or whatever, but I think getting worse on the when you look at the social media uh, environment. How you can use that and um, you don't have to um, look at the person you're writing to. You could just sit behind the, the, the computer and um, write whatever you want. Because you have been on the receiving end of some of that abuse, haven't you? I read an article. Uh, you wore the rainbow band for, for Wolfsburg. If you could explain that story, what you, you wore the the rainbow band in the, in the league, right? And then there was some... Uh, abuse afterwards for me the 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 rainbow rainbow um is for for just equality and for just treating everyone with respect doesn't matter your sexuality your skin uh, your color of your skin or whatever religion uh it's just about um equality not gayness and i think that's just so many people think that's just like because i know there were People who was worried like it's gonna be okay. So the the team is like it's so much gay people in the team. So that's why she wears the the rainbow armband or whatever. And I mean it's it's so much. It's like yeah, it's only you know they write on on Twitter or whatever that yeah. Well, it's only 
like big lesbian women who play soccer or uh, you belong in the kitchen or, you know, whatever typical things. And I mean, it's also that we are not, um, we shouldn't, um, we don't deserve to live. You're not like a, a breeze. You're, you're, you're not the, the way mankind are, are created or supposed to be, you know, it also brings you a lot of, it was also good, a lot of good stuff. I mean, the, the most of the people who, who see me or who meet me like outside the stadium or even if you walk in the city or something, they are mostly just positive. Like, thank you for taking a stand. Thank you for being brave. And that's, uh, that's something that means a lot, like really keep, keeps me going. And, um, it's, it kind of when it's, it's much, it makes a big difference when you see them face to face to get the positive reaction because, okay, they do exist. Just try to, I try to keep that in mind all the time. Like it's hard if you get seven nice comments and then you get a bad one, of course you remember the bad one, but um, I had to change that, but I, I, I need to work on it. But I mean, and it's also, I'm not the, I know a lot of people who, who uh, get a lot of more bad comments, like it's been uh, threatened to life or whatever, and um, or not whatever, but in, in that kind of way, and um, we have to be, be strong together. I mean, it's easy to focus on these negative aspects, though. Um, for me, my, it's my little pet theory at the moment that there's a big commercial opportunity for like to make a lot of money as to be the first high profile male openly gay footballer. I think you'd make I think we're in a place now that yeah, okay, there's a lot of abuse online. You know, that's a given. Unfortunately that's the world we're living. We'll try and change it. But also I think on the flip side of that there's there's low I think if the sponsors would would have been would have gone away. 10 years ago, I think you would attract people now to be the first. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, because there has to be some kind of reason um, that there are no gay uh, male players gone public. There, there could be one reason that the sponsors will not um, accept it. But like you say, um, we live in this modern time so it's kind of like yeah but it's kind of like it's also it's also popular to find your own kind of area or like be the first one and just really make a big 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 thing about it but I think it's just I would love to be in a locker room and understand what's going on but I think it's just a typical male environment that is just too hard as a as a as a man you should be be tough you should be hard and I don't think there's the the environment, the the space to be in another way than the typical manly man. There's manly men, and there's the guys who have their little bags as they take the little the little bathroom bags, you know. <laughs> manly man. <laughs> well, I mean, you you can and and you know you look at modern footballers as well. You know, people take pride in their appearance. There's a pride in, in you know, like their hair and stuff like that. I think attitudes are changing in those locker rooms. Yeah. You know, I think that people would be surprised. You know, 
about the if they but it takes that moment you know someone's got to go first and I don't know how I don't know whether we're near that yet I don't know what do you think I would say that we're not I I think it will take many years to come before a big star if there is a big star I mean I don't know but uh, according to the percentage of uh, people it should be someone at least in the in all of the leagues that exists but uh, I think it's still a um, long way to go uh, before someone is, is um, coming out and um, if it's not the sponsors and not because of the locker room it's also a big part of the, the crowd the spectators I mean with all the racism that's going on it's not uh, far away from from uh, being um, before they sing songs about you because you're gay or whatever or with the big signs or so on so I think it will I'm sorry, Che, but I th- still think it's it's going to take a long time because I mean, David Beckham was was early uh, with the metro metrosexuality. <laughs> he was indeed. Like that. That's many years uh, ago, and and still there's no one. I mean, they yeah, the appearance is is very important and and taking care of themselves and everything. But uh, I think from I still don't know if the the environment in the locker room has changed actually, but. It would be really interesting to talk with a, a big star in the the male soccer environment. Uh, would you ever give them some advice if if there was a, a a male player kind of worrying about coming out in football? What would you be, What would you say? What would you What would you what would, what would your genuine advice be to that to that man? That it feels really good to just be honest to yourself to live the the life you want to live and not not hide but it's also for me it's just hard, hard to for me it is real because it's it's two different worlds totally i think uh female and male soccer but um so it's hard for me to like really understand the the hate that they could get to could, could get because i mean i got hate i get hate just because i'm a woman playing and then a little bit extra because I'm gay too. Um, but um, really just that it's, it will be worth it in the end. Olympic Channel Podcast. Thanks to Nila and also to Frederick from the Swedish national side. It might be a long time for Nila, but in the English game, at least, there has been another first. Ryan Atkin is the first openly gay referee. His story and his attitude is plain positivity. So we started off by talking about how he's convinced that the future is much brighter for LGBTQ plus players in the game. Olympic Channel podcast. I genuinely believe that homophobia in football is on the decrease. Um, I genuinely believe there is a there is a, a passion from the organisations and from the governing bodies to ensure that football is seen and is inclusive for everybody. Um, However, it's it's something that you're not going to solve overnight. Uh, and that's obviously that's quite a sad thing to think about. Um, but it is it is about how we how we deal with that and how we change people's perceptions and opinions in football. As a referee now, just turning to like you, you being a referee, uh, every decision that you make on the field is kind of scrutinised 
as a matter of course. Um, so how much did you scrutinise your own decision in kind of going public and being the first openly gay referee in, in England? I had to weigh it up. And, you know, one of the things that really drove me to to, to do it was um, a couple of years back, um, I hadn't had a great season. Um, my refereeing was, was, wasn't great. Um, I wasn't enjoying things in my own life. And I rightly got demoted off the list. I finished at the bottom of the list and I got demoted. And I then it's all, it was a wake-up call to, for me to look at myself. And we talk about mental health and we talk about how um, a lie can uh, impact on you mentally, um, welfare, etc. And so when um, I worked really hard when I got demoted to get back to where I was, I decided that I'd never be in that position again. And part of that was not me being able to be me in the essence of, you know, conversations in changing rooms while nobody would have said anything. You know, and I really believe that I wasn't able to have those conversations. So when, you know, when we're preparing for a game or we're finished and we're chatting or what you up to this weekend, I would constantly be lying and I'd constantly be changing my story because I wouldn't be saying I'm going into Soho or I'm going out with my partner. It would be. I'm going to Covent Garden or I'm going to Embankment or, you know, and it's but but you've got to think about these things because, you know, you're living a lie. You're living in the shadows and it feels like, you know, um, you've got to, you know, they're talking about their, their wives or their girlfriends or, you know, maybe sex or whatever. And you sort of just sit there and you think, right, OK, I'm going to have to make something up now if I get asked or or whatever. When I decided to, do, to come out publicly, I wanted I wanted um, people to actually look at LGBT in football and I and um, actually take it seriously. And I think um, from a referee's point of view, there could be no better way of doing that because referees um, within the United Kingdom, um, you know, from grassroots all the way up to the Premier League, we can actually help start to eradicate homophobia in football. We can challenge individuals in the field of play. We can look at if people are using um, foul and abusive or insulting language. We've got the powers to deal with that, but it's making people aware of language or gestures that could cause offence or, or or be insulting. From my point of view, you know, I'm not a Premier League player. You know, I'm not refereeing in the Premier League, but what I can do is take some of the pressure, which I'm used to anyway, and the abuse, um, and hopefully start to drive change where others will then potentially follow. And I think it's only a matter of time before we see other individuals, whether it be managers, whether it be um, chairmen, owners of clubs, players, doctors, whatever, um, that will then start to uh, come forward, whether it be publicly or not, uh, and, I, and I identify however they, they choose to identify. And I think, um, for me, I think uh, we potentially will see um, a player um, come out. I think it will be somebody probably coming through the academy where um, they're younger and where education has been different and academies play a massive part in the education process so what they learn in academies um, is obviously then taken into the Premier League so if you were to strip the Premier League out in 10 years and you worked on a group of individuals that were going to be put in that place and their attitudes and, and things were different it would you would see a completely different game um, but that's not possible. And what you've got to do is just slowly nurture people and slowly guide people uh, along the way. And over time, hopefully things will change. Do you think, though, that um, it's you kind of alluded to it a, a little bit 
do you think it's made you a better referee? You know, like from after yes. you got rid of all the, the, you know, like having to tell lies or whatever, do you think that's kind of cleared your head and you've become better at decision making? Yeah, uh, 100%. I think um, I firmly believe that if people can be who they want to be and they're happy in their lives in any sport, I think um, you are you are better. You are always going to be better when you're happy. You know, we, we, you know, take it to the basic level when you go to work any job if you're happy you perform better and that is the same within refereeing it's the same within football hockey rugby or whatever um and i certainly believe that for me um coming out being public being able to be my own personality without having to sort of live a, a double life if that makes sense um has certainly allowed me to have better relationships with players on the field of play when i'm officiating them just from a sense of um you know, my, my head's quite clear and also my, I can use my personality um, without it being actually like a false personality. So, you you know, you go out and you have this, you know, this this different aura or this different personality when you go out. Now I can just be me, go out and referee, be the best that I can be and make clear, hopefully good judgments um, with a clear head and a clear mind, knowing that, you know, I'm happy in myself. It's very easy to be kind of negative and, and, and focus on what's wrong and focus on, you know, uh, the negative aspects. As, and it's, it's a natural situation as well, I suppose. But your story in particular is very positive, even though you've had a positive experience about your, your whole journey. So if there is someone in uh, who's perhaps having these thoughts in their mind at the moment but is uncomfortable what would be your kind of message to that person i fully agree with you i think um the media um and people in general do focus on the negatives they, we, we always look at homophobia in football and racism as a negative we never look at the positive work that's being done and some of the outcomes that actually have, have driven change for me i think um anybody that's thinking about publicly coming out they need to ensure that they've got a good support network around them they need to plan. I think that's really important. If you're going to come out, you need to ensure that you inform, you know, um, potentially the governing bodies or the, or the leagues that you're involved in, because nobody likes to get caught off the hop. I think that's where sometimes it can go really wrong for the individual. So when, you know, if someone's thinking about that, they need to look at, um, you know, if I do this story, what could happen? Sort of option one, two and three. And if you're prepared for either option, it doesn't catch you by surprise. You know, you've got to think, well, you know, if I'm publicly coming out, there's going to be a mixed opinion. So therefore, I need to be aware that Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I will probably get lots of positives and I will get some negatives. So, OK, I've understood that. I realise that. OK, what's the next thing that could happen? Well, I'll probably be asked to do lots of interviews. So you need to be thinking about, you know, all these things and look at what you want to do when the story comes out. I was very lucky um, through John in Sky Sports that when we did the story, we worked on it together for a couple of months. And so when it came out, um, the only things that people could draw off were that story. Um, there was no other other stories being out there. I wasn't talking to Guy and then talking to ITV at the same time. It, it went out on Sky Sports. People then picked up on the story. And then, you know, then I was asked to come in and film and um, and then I could give more depth on the original story. So for me, I think it's about people um, planning. Um, I think if anybody's unsure, then it's to contact somebody that they feel comfortable talking to. And whether it be myself 
or whether it be another athlete, whether it be Nigel Owens, or whether it be someone that they trust, I think it's always good to have a soundboard um, for that. Um, Lucy Clark, who's just come out as the first transgender uh, referee, she uh, she emailed me um, a couple of months back um, around some some aspects and things, and I was able to point her in the right direction um, in the football association. And I think that's one of the other things is we're such a trusting community. Um, you know, one of the ultimate rules is you never out somebody else. So if I had a stranger ring me who was a professional footballer or athlete, then that's a private conversation that never goes any further than me or them. And I think um, it's being able to have those conversations uh, and talk to people that have already done it to find out the positives and the negatives uh, from a story like that. Olympic Channel Podcast. Thanks to Ryan and also to John Holmes from Sports Media, LGBTQ+, and Sky Sports. Last week's podcast was with Liam Cross, the husband of Olympic gold medalist Alona Savchenko. He was a normal guy who fell in love with a figure skater and is incredibly trusting in Alona's relationship with her pairs partner, Bruno Masso. Rachel Neary Walvin Jones on Facebook said, Oh, so beautiful, wonderful husband. Hjordis Lee also on Facebook said, Thanks to Liam for this message. I'm so happy to hear this. That episode, along with many others, is available to download right now. If you liked what you heard on this episode, then we would love it if you gave us a five-star review on iTunes and wrote a few nice words about us there too. If you want to hear the world's best talking about the biggest Olympic talking points every Wednesday, then give us a subscribe. It helps other people find us too. Thank you very much if you are already a subscriber. That's it for now. See you soon. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.